1: Now enjoy this broadcast of Hope and Faith Ministry, brought to you from People's Baptist Church of Boston.
2: The title of the message today is, How Should We Live as Christians? How Should We Live as Christians? Think for a moment of the church of which you are a member. What if all its members lived in harmony with each other? And what if each member had a sympathetic spirit, able to share the feelings of others, rejoicing with the glad and weeping with those who weep? What if each member loved everyone else as brothers and sisters in Christ? What if each member was compassionate, kind, swift to encourage and help? Yes, and what if each member had a humble spirit, a readiness to serve in lowly ways, a willingness to listen and respect the contributions of others? Well, you may say that is an impossible ideal. Such a church does not yet exist. Yes, this is an ideal, but it is what life in this unique fellowship called the church is meant to be. Maybe people's or your home church is not yet like this, but it would be further along if only one person, you, were to make it your purpose to cultivate these qualities that uh, Peter mentions. In a congregation, as in a marriage, there is only one person whom each of us can realistically hope to change, and that is ourselves. Peter, in the earlier chapters, the first two chapters of this letter, tells us how we should live in relation to the world, to government, to employers, to husbands and wives. Here in chapter 3, verses 8 and 9, Peter gives us a summary of the qualities which we should express in our relationships. Especially to those who are brothers and sisters in Christ. And so he gives us six qualities which ought to be present in the people of God as we seek to live out our lives here and now and the first quality is we are to live in harmony with one another we are to live in harmony with one another in 1st Peter uh, 3 and verse 8 first part of the, the verse says finally all of you live in harmony with one another so we live in a society in which there is more disharmony than harmony. Yes. Violence of one kind or another threatens the very fabric of society. Domestic violence takes the life of a woman every six days. Violence by youth gangs is becoming a major problem in our cities. Violence has become a way of life for large numbers of urban residents due to the fact that the law enforcement officers don't seem to be able to handle what is going on. All you have to do is to look at Chicago. And uh, they have lost hope in the political, economic, and social structures of society. Any keen observer of contemporary American life will tell you that American society is facing economic, moral, spiritual, and ethical problems which threaten the future of our country as never before. Now, in the midst of this situation stands the church, a body of redeemed humanity, whom God has called to demonstrate what the divine order is like. The church and the community are not one and the same. Believers who accept Jesus Christ as their Savior and Lord constitute a special group of people who have been redeemed by Christ and made a part of the family of God. As the children of God, believers are no longer under the dominion of Satan, but have been freed to become what God intends us to be. When there is no clear distinction between the church and the community, we run into situations such as we are facing today in which political and civic leaders as well as public media want to set the agenda for the church. But the church receives its agenda from the Lord of heaven and earth. And at the center of this agenda is a proclamation of good news, Good news that through faith in the Son of God, human beings can be liberated from bondage to sin and Satan. The church is to demonstrate by its life and, and teachings the results of this liberation from sin's power. And one such result is the living of a life in harmony with God, and with each other. All of us have witnessed the harmony of an orchestra when all the instruments are in tune and all the musicians are following the lead conductor. This is a picture of what the harmony that uh, ought to exist among the people of God be. Such harmony will be in sharp contrast to the disharmony that we see in our society. Unfortunately, the church has become too much of a reflection of what is happening in the society. I say, you cannot have harmony in the church when Christians are at enmity with each other. You cannot have harmony when Christians spend more time criticizing one another and working against each other rather than praying for each other. You cannot have harmony. When there are members who desire to see other members fail in their efforts at ministry, where there is disharmony and disunity in the church, sin is present. And the solution is not organizational. It is spiritual. Members need to get right with God. There will be harmony when believers recognize who they are and seek the will of God together. Brothers and sisters, there is no room in God's church for fights and quarrels and negative criticisms, backbiting, prejudice, discrimination of any kind, and disrespect. Our Heavenly Father requires his children to live in harmony with one another. Listen to the Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 15, verses 5 through 7. He says, May God help you to live in complete harmony with each other, each with the attitude of Christ Jesus toward the other. Then all of you can join together with one voice, giving praise and glory to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So accept each other just as Christ has accepted you. Then God will be glorified. In order for us to live in harmony, the other five qualities mentioned by Peter um, must be exercised, must be present. And so the second thing Peter mentions is that we are to be sympathetic to one another. We are to be sympathetic to one another. And again in verse 8, Peter says, be sympathetic. You see, whenever you find a church functioning well one of the qualities that will be evident is sympathy. The apostle reminds us in, in 1 Corinthians that within the body of Christ, when one member suffers, all suffer. And so if you look at um, 1 Corinthians 12, 24 through 26, says, God has put the body together in such a way that extra honor and care are given to those parts that have less dignity. This makes for a harmony among the members, so that all the members care for each other equally. If one part suffers, all the parts suffer with it, and if one part is honored, all the other parts are glad. Also in in Romans chapter twelve and verse fifteen, Paul says, When others are happy, be happy with them. If they are sad, share their sorrow. See, in our experience, it is much easier to weep with those who weep than to rejoice with those who rejoice. Why? Because of envy and jealousy. For example, if, you, if we are in the same business as someone else and we see them getting ahead, it is very difficult to rejoice with them in their success. There is still enough selfishness in us that rather than rejoice in another's success, we find subtle ways of reigning on their parade. Like, yes, but. Leave the but out of your praise of others. Sympathy on the weeping side involves more than mere sorrow or regret. For another's circumstances. Sympathy desires to help. As Christians, we have a responsibility to do whatever we can to help those who have needs that we are aware of. So, when brothers and sisters are in sorrow or in trouble, we ought to find ways to help them, to encourage them, to support them. As a church, uh, People's Baptist Church is getting better at this. And all you have to do is read the bulletin on Sundays and you will see evidences that we are indeed becoming a Christ-centered, caring church. But number three, um, Peter says we are to love one another as brothers and sisters. We are to love one another as brothers and sisters. In, In verse eight, again, Peter says love as brothers. The word translated love is Philadelphia, which, from which the city of brotherly love uh, derives its name. Peter is telling us that if we are members of God's family, inasmuch as we share a common father, we are brothers and sisters in Christ. Now, there are numerous instructions in the New Testament to love each other. For example, Paul tells us in Romans chapter 12 and verse 10, be devoted to one another in brotherly love. And Hebrews 13 and verse 1, keep on loving each other as brothers. In other words, brotherly love should characterize our relationship with each other. Where brotherly love is not practiced in a church there you'll find envy and evil speaking and strife and all the evils brotherly love is loving a fellow believer because he or she is a brother or sister and for no other reason Amen. we love our brothers and sisters not because there's anything lovely in them or about them but just because we share a common father and as well as a common savior and our members of the same family. But the fourth thing that Peter mentions is that we are to be compassionate to one another. We are to be compassionate to one another. In again in verse 8 he says, be compassionate. The Greek word translated compassionate is also translated tender hearted, kind hearted, or full of pity. Compassion is the very essence of God. He reveals himself in Christ as a God who is kind and compassionate towards us, even in our rebellion against him. How do we become compassionate? By having a close relationship with Jesus Christ. The closer we are to him, the more compassionate we will become. A person who is lacking in compassion is a person who is not growing in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. In Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 32, uh, Paul says, Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. You see, you cannot be compassionate and be unforgiving at the same time. The evidence that we are compassionate is our willingness to forgive those who hurt us. When you forgive someone, it doesn't mean pretending nothing happened or that you weren't hurt. It is not saying what happened was okay. Genuine forgiveness can be defined in two parts. First, forgiveness relinquishes the right to retaliate and second forgiveness whenever possible restores relationship learning to forgive may be the most difficult lesson there is in the christian life is it goes against our sin our sinful nature is when i'm wronged i instinctively want to retaliate if you hit me, I want to hit you back. If you insult me, I want to insult you back. When, you, when our pride is wounded, our sense of justice demands retaliation, we will say something like, you'll never get away with this. I'll get even with you, even if it's the last thing I do. <laughs> Though it may be difficult... It is essential that we learn to release bitterness and to forgive one another. The Bible makes it clear that there is a direct correlation between God's judgment of us and our judgment of others. Our motivation for forgiveness is that God has forgiven us. When I consider how much God has forgiven me, how can I ever refuse to forgive the person who has wronged me? Forgiveness is difficult, but God gives us the, the motivation and the strength and ability to forgive others. Yes. Look again at what Paul says in Ephesians 4.32. He says, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Yes. Number five. Peter says, we are to be humble in spirit. In 1 Peter 3, 8, Peter says, be compassionate and humble. And in Ephesians uh, chapter 4 and verse, verse 2, be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another In love Someone has said That humility is that virtue Which when you think you have it You have lost it You see the humble person Is not only one who refrains from boasting and bragging But also rejoices over the success of others And puts them first rather than himself or herself it is human nature to hold self as highly important. It's encouraged in our society to the extent that most of us think far more of ourselves than we ought to think. Sometimes we see Christians uh, trying to exalt themselves, trying to show off their attainments, or trying to, uh, to leave the impression that they are extra kind or hospitable or whatever. They do something for somebody and everybody must know about it. You know, so that's not humility. As Christians, we can develop humility by recognizing our dependence upon God. You see, there are no self-made men and women, regardless of how much money they have. Regardless of how popular they may be or, or what standing they may uh, enjoy on the social ladder. We are completely dependent on God. Any time he determines or desires, he can withdraw the breath of life from any of us. So when we recognize that we are completely dependent upon him for everything that we have, humility might be the inevitable result or ought to be the inevitable result. If we are to boast then let us boast in what the Lord has done. But um, the sixth quality that uh, Peter mentions here is that we are to be a blessing to one another. We are to be a blessing to one another. In 1 Peter 3, 9, Peter says, Don't repay evil for evil. Don't retaliate when people say unkind things about you. Instead, pay them back with a blessing. That is what God wants you to do, and he will bless you for it. And in Romans twelve seventeen, Paul also says, Never pay back evil for evil to anyone. Do things in such a way that everyone can see you are honorable. So when you are abused or slighted, When people take advantage of you or accuse you unjustly, what sort of response do you give? What do you do when another driver cuts in front of you in heavy traffic? Or when someone steals your place in line after you've been waiting an hour? It's regardless of your situation. Peter says in uh, 1 Peter 3.9, and this time I'm reading from the uh, New English Bible, he says, do not repay wrong for wrong or abuse with abuse. On the contrary, retaliate with blessing. See, so with most people, you reap what you sow. Shove them and they will shove you back. Sow an insult and you will receive a choicer one. That's the age old pattern and it leads to mounting hate and violence that we see in our society today but Peter says instead of returning evil for evil or insult for insult when someone does something wrong to us or when someone insults us we are to give that person a blessing I know that's difficult but we have to keep working at it give that person a blessing Peter says that when we bring blessings to others, we are blessed ourselves. You see, the blessings we will receive are not only in eternity, but right here and now. You see, the good we do to others will come back to us in a variety of ways as we exemplify these six characteristics which Peter uh, mentions We will enjoy the abundant blessings of God. The Lord redeemed us to live in harmony, to be sympathetic, to be loving, to be compassionate, to be humble, and to be a blessing to others. God desires that we be loving, generous, gracious, helpful, and kind to one another. You see, when God's love is ruling our lives, then tongues speak no evil, Uh, shoulders carry no chips, hands work no evil, lips repeat no gossip, eyes glare no condemnation, and hearts hold no grudge. When God's love abides, lies reflect no selfishness, attitude reveal no jealousy, Words create no bitterness, decisions leave no remorse, and friends permit no resentment. You see, God does not want his children to retaliate when mistreated. He does not want his children to toss cold water on the hopes of others. He does not want his children to throw wet blankets on the efforts of others. He does not want his children to boast of their accomplishments, to take advantage of the failures of others, or to rejoice at the mistake of others. Instead, God wants his children to be slow to complain and quick to commend. He wants his children to be uh, slow to admonish and quick to encourage. God wants his children to be slow to argue and quick to agree. to be be slow to suspect and to be quick to believe and to be slow to abandon and quick to assist when and where necessary. God has set high standards for us, his children. He wants us to choose to be a blessing than to receive a blessing. He wants us to choose to give than to receive. He wants us to choose to help than to be helped. He wants us to choose to serve rather than be served because we all fall short of our Lord's design for us, his church, his people. Then our prayer today should be the prayer of that uh, hymn uh, which um, uh, speaks to our situation so well. It says, Lord, I want to be a Christian. In my heart, In my heart. Lord, I want to be a Christian in my heart. Lord, I want to be like Jesus in my heart, in my heart. Lord, I want to be like Jesus in my heart. Amen. Amen.
1: Thank you for joining us here at Hope and Faith Ministry, a broadcast of the historic People's Baptist Church in Boston. We pray that you have been touched and inspired by today's message. Peoples Baptist Church is a Christ-centered, caring church located at 134 Camden Street, at the corner of Camden and Tremont Streets. Our Sunday services are at 8 a.m. and at 10:45 a.m. You can reach us at 617-427-0424. Come visit us in person or on the web at www. pbcboston.org and tune in every Saturday morning at 1030 for another inspiring message of hope and faith